Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. service and the young man read Joshua chapter 3 boy I almost stood up because I almost was going to go there tonight and I was going to talk about an appointment with destiny but that's coming another day and then I came in here and Dr. Walker got up and, and she read the passage and, and started talking about the opportunities and I said mm-hmm and I was going to think about that and I thought about that too but I said alright here you are so let's turn now to Philippians chapter 3, and let's see what the Lord going to say. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say, because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Verses uh, 8 through 11, I'm, I'm familiar with the passage, and I've looked at it before, but it doesn't mean that's what the word is now. Um, in the 8th verse of the third chapter Paul said ye doubtless and I want to start verse 7 I think that's where I really want to start verse 7 but what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. And I want to I, I talk about, I'm talking about two things. I want to talk about what are you really after? And I also want to talk about the privilege of knowing God. See, what, what are you really after speaks of the pursuits in our life, those opportunities that you heard about earlier. And, and this, this year, as we bring it to a close, there, there have been a lot of people who, who have met with various 
levels of disappointment. And, and some of the disappointments have to do with what you were after. There, there, there are a lot of things you can be after. This is a big world. We live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth, even though the political structures sometimes fail us and make us sick. It is still the land of great opportunity. And, and people are pursuing, they are after everything. They're, 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 they're after things that are ordained of God and they're after things that Satan dangle in their face. And, and, and because of those pursuits, we sometimes can get off track. I mean, it, it was true. It's been true in every generation, in every period of human history that men have been after different things. And it depends on what that is as to what that outcome will be. Jesus himself made it clear about our pursuits. In, in, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, in verses 25 and, and 26, he, he makes this statement. It's recorded many times in the scriptures, but at those places, this is what it says. It says, what will it profit a man? To gain the whole world and in the end do what? Lose his soul. So you can pursue a lot of things. You can be after a lot of things and, and you can accomplish and you can accumulate a lot of things. But don't let it mess you up. You, you know, you, you, you got to be after the right thing. And, 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 and one guy that, that, that I know about that was like that. There were many in scripture, but I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about Paul because he changed his pursuit. See, this, this whole idea is about exchange. I may have been after, I'm not here to knock anybody down or to criticize what may have been your pursuits, but the, the deal is this, is to recognize that there has to be an exchange. Maybe you've come to the place that you realize that what you were after did not produce the satisfaction that you thought that it would. Or it did not bring the thrill that you thought it would bring. You know, even even B.B. King said years ago, after pursuing what he thought was good, he came up with the phrase, the thrill is gone. You know, and, and it's gone for good. And sometimes you have to reach that point where the thrill of whatever it is that you were after has run its course and is gone and is gone for good. And, and when you reach that point, then it's time to exchange that for the right thing, for a different kind of thing. And any person who changes the pursuit of chasing worldly goals and worldly dreams for godly intentions and for Christ himself will pay a price. Now, I've got to be honest with you. There is a price that will be required, but it is the price that's necessary. What is that price? To, to give up everything that I am. For all that he is. 
And I mean, I know that might sound like a lot, and it is a lot. When I have to give up my dreams and, and my goals and, and my thoughts and my understanding and my pursuits to exchange those for what God would direct. That's what Dr. Walker was talking about. He is the one who places the real and the right desires in our hearts. But you know what we often say? We hear God clearly. It's not a person in here who doesn't hear God clearly. But we say to God so many times, I hear what you're saying, but this is what I'm going to do. And we then go down our own trails and choose our own pursuits only to find that they lead us to an empty place. I mean, man, listen, none, none of us, we, we, we didn't get here being crazy. We got here through trial and error. And I'm not knocking you down tonight. I'm just appealing to you before the year ends, evaluate yourself and look at what you've been after and let's see if we can't become a pursuant of right and godly things. That was a man whose name was Paul. Paul was, became a great apostle. But at first he wasn't pursuing godly things he thought he was he thought that obtaining worldly status and religious acumen were the things that would satisfy his life deeply as a matter of fact in this third chapter of the book of Philippians Philippians is a letter that's written to a group of people who became Paul friends and supporters these were people that Paul met, man, while on his second missionary journey when he, when, when he had preached as far as he could go and, and the Holy Spirit forbid him to go any further. But he saw a vision in the night of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And Paul took that as the belief that God wanted him to go there. And he went there and he met a girl named Lydia who was a seller of purple. And you all know the story. Acts chapter 16 records all that happened with Paul in Philippi. He ended up in jail. He ended up with him and Silas being beaten. Midnight, God shook the jailhouse. And man, the, the, the doors of the jail opened and, and, and the jailer and his family were converted. And a little church sprang up out of Philippi. And, and, and they always cared about Paul and sent him a little sum-sum. Wherever he went, they always did so. But now 10 years has passed since the people of Philippi has heard anything about where Paul has been. And they found out he's now a prisoner in Rome. And so they send one of their church members whose name was Epiroditus to take Paul a love gift. But while Epiroditus was there, he became deathly ill. And, and once he was healed and raised again, Paul sends him back to the beloved church with this love letter to say thank you. And he wanted them to know, I recognize it wasn't your fault that you hadn't heard from me. You just didn't know where I was. So you couldn't have done any more than what you have done. But I thank you for what you've done. And, and so he's warning them now. He says, look, be aware of dogs. And, and you know there are political dogs. 
You had their, their, their family dogs, their community dogs. There are a lot of different kinds of dogs. And he warned them, be aware. Be aware of those who call themselves the circumcision. Even, even church dogs. Even people who dress up like sheep but are inside wolves. You know you have to watch those kind of folk. And he said, he goes on to say, see, even those people, they, all they want to do is glory in your flesh, in taking you down, in putting you down, in making you feel bad. He said, I could have been one of those. He said, as a matter of fact, if anybody wanted to brag about the flesh, he said, I had even more to brag about. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day. He said, I was a, a born of the stock of Israel. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. I was of the great tribe of Benjamin. And he said, I became a member of the fraternity of the Pharisees. Only 6,000 of those in the whole world. And you're talking about somebody who had zeal, who was on fire. He said, I was even a persecutor of the Christian church. But now what I want to pause right there. And help you understand is what changed him. What caused the pursuit to be different? Because when we meet Paul for the first time, Luke only records the observable things that show us what went on. But it doesn't tell us what's in his head. Philippians 3 tell us what's in his head. But Acts 9 tell us what Luke saw. Luke said, that Paul, before he was Paul, name was Saul. And he went to the high priest in Jerusalem. And he wanted permission, authority, letters, so that he could go down to Damascus in the synagogues there and bind up and bring any of those who called themselves Christian back to Jerusalem to stand trial and to be put to death. So Paul was pursuing, listen, he was pursuing Christians. He was pursuing killing folk because he thought that's what brought him satisfaction. Luke only records what Paul did. Saw he going down to Damascus, and it was about noon. He saw a flash of light. He fell off his whatever he was traveling on onto the ground, and and, and he heard a voice said, "Saw, saw." Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you? Jesus? You mean you are real? You mean there's a real person whose name is Jesus? How could I have been so wrong? See, Luke doesn't tell us what he's thinking. Luke just tells us what happened. He tells us that he was on the ground. He was blinded. He got up. He went into the city of Damascus for three days until God sent a man named Ananias in there to pray for him. And Ananias prayed and the scales fell off of his eyes. And Paul was converted. How you know he was converted? Because in the 15th verse of Acts chapter 9, Paul is, 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 he, he is called an apostle already. And, and by the time you get down to the next few verses, he's preaching Jesus to everybody. How do you know he's converted? He's a different man because he is going everywhere now telling everybody about Jesus. But nobody wanted to have anything to do with him 
because they didn't trust him. Now, come back to Philippians chapter 3 and let's see what happened. Now, what we just talked about in Acts chapter 9 was the physical things. Philippians chapter 3 shows us the mental stuff of what caused him to be different. What caused him to be different is he began to evaluate his life. He began to look at these things that he once thought were gain. And now on that road to Damascus in that dirt, he decides that these things that I've been pursuing are really nothing. And he said, I count them nothing but what the cow left in the barn. He said, I don't, he said, I don't value that stuff anymore. Uh, all of my degrees, all of my pedigrees. Now, I'm not criticizing anybody that got degrees because I got them. I went to school for them and was thankful for them. Yeah, they called me Reverend Doctor, and I could be called Reverend Doctor, 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 because I really have three doctorates. But I don't even worry about that because that doesn't mean anything. Do you understand? You know, the jobs that I've had, the, the, the places that I've gone, the people that I've met, and I've met some impressive people in my life. I really have in all genres of life. I've met some of the best in music. I've been on the stage with some of the best. I've been in places, man, no one would even dream that a black boy from Titusville would have gone to. I've, I've been in the palaces in England. I've seen the crown jewels. I've been standing in Buckingham Palace. I've been at the Taj Mahal. In, 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 in India I, I, I've been on the great wall of China I've seen the terracotta figures I've been in places that people can only dream of but like Paul what things were gained to me that I thought were important I found out that they are nothing not in pursuit not in comparison with what I'm after now and what am I after now is the privilege of knowing God. Oh man, oh listen, this, this year I, I, I've, I've been blessed to know him, but listen, I don't know him like I want to know him. I, I haven't walked with him like I want to walk. I haven't talked with him like I want to talk. He hadn't told me all that he wanted to tell me, and I haven't accomplished the thing yet that he has laid his hands on me for. Is there anybody here who understands what I'm talking about? Listen, Paul had been preaching now 30 years. And Paul said, not that I have obtained, not that I have apprehended, not that I have become all that God originally laid his hands on me to become. He said, but one thing I do. He said, I forget what's behind and I keep pushing forward toward the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus and that's what I want you to do tonight I want you to understand there's a higher calling there is a higher calling I mean man when I was in college grad undergraduate school I played around one semester I wasn't even in school but I couldn't let my folk know that you know what I mean I mean can I tell you the truth I mean, you look at me tonight, and it looks nice and all, but I wasn't always a good boy. I was in the far country. I was trying to find out who I was. 
I was pursuing other things. Do you understand? But then the Lord changed that. And he put me on a different path. And yes, that day when I graduated, they were calling folk, John Jones, cum laude, Sally Wilson, summa cum laude. They called my name, Michael Wesley. I said, thank you, Lord. And, and we went on, man. You know, but the pursuit had to change. I got out in the world, man. I was a music guy. I was playing on the stage, man. Was kicking it, buddy. Yes, sir. Was doing it at a high level with some of the best. But then the Lord said, oh, no. I have something else in mind for you. While that may be good, you may make people feel good temporarily, but what I want from your life is to help people do good. I played ball, man. I was a good little athlete. and even played on the church softball team. But then one day, man, I was running around third base and I felt some pull on my leg. I said, no, I'm just going to be out. I ain't going to slide today. <laughs> and then God changed that. I'm, I could serve the church better as its pastor than I can as its shortstop. Uh, you understand? I mean, you learn how to change the pursuits so that you can become who God wants you to become. Now, now, what was Paul saying about himself? He said, those things that I once was proud of, my, my, my heritage, my Jewishness, my member into the distinguished fraternity, my zeal in persecuting Christians, those things that I once counted as gain. He said, now I count it as nothing but dumb. And he said, because I have a new pursuit, and the new pursuit now is the privilege, the surpassing knowledge of Jesus. Can I tell you what, what he gained when he pursued Jesus? Because this is what you need to pursue as we look ahead in, in the new year. When, he, when you pursue Jesus, first it starts with a knowledge. You got to come into a knowledge of who Christ is. That is the first step into salvation. If you're really going to be saved, now let me tell you something. There's a difference in church attendance and having a relationship knowing Jesus. There are a whole lot of people who know my name, but they don't know me for real. There are people who know you. They know your face. They know your image, but they know nothing about what makes you move, what makes you tick, what moves you, what motivates you, what will cause you to respond. When you get that deep in somebody, then you start coming to know them. So Paul said that I may know him. He wanted to have a knowledge of Christ. Now, now that knowledge, that word knowledge there in, in the Greek is, is the word gnosis. And, and, and the word gnosis really has a mystical kind of terminology or connotation to it. To, to, to gnosis for the agnostic, the false religions of that day, they claim to have a secret mystical knowledge of series of understandings that got them up to their deity of choice. And so Paul is saying in a real sense to come to know Christ 
requires you to have some kind of mystical insight as to who he is. But not only that, but it also means to have a, a romantic relationship with the Lord where you truly love him. You know, you know the Bible uh, says about Adam that he knew his wife, Eve. Now, you know that meant he knew more than her name. It, it, it meant that there was a personal intimacy that had developed between the two of them. And in a real sense, he knew her intimately. And I'm not trying to talk sexually here. I'm just talking about intimacy. A deep internal knowledge that is so filled with passion and understanding that you want to pursue God like that. That's what it means. It's not just to, to know intellectually a few facts about Jesus. He came into the earth. He died on the cross. He was raised the third day. That, yeah, and that's what people in church feel when they say, I know the Lord. I know what it took to get me in. But that has nothing to do with the mystery of who he is. It has nothing to do with the intimacy of knowing who he is. So Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him on a personal level. I want to know him on a deeper level. So it means that in the morning, I have to get up and spend time in his word. It means every now and then, I have to get down on my knees and have conversation with him. It means in the middle of the day, I have to stop what I'm doing. Can't be so busy that I don't have time to commune with him. In the evening, I want to thank him for the blessings he's given me. When I lay it down before I shut my eyes, I want to tell him thank you for watching over me and protecting me throughout the day. The intimate knowledge of God is what we need to have. But not only did Paul say that I may know him, so you're going to get five things when you come to know God. And the first is knowledge. The second thing that you gain when you really pursue God, when he's the one that you're really after, you gain experience with him. Experience. Paul said that I may experience the fellowship of his suffering. You know, you have to enter into with somebody. You know, it's so easy, man, when people are going through their problems for us to stand on the sideline and to look at other people without sad face and tell them so sad so sorry, feel bad for you, but I can't help you. You know, that's not what people need. Sometimes people need you to come along beside them and get involved and experience with them what they are experiencing. Let you feel what it's like to go through their hurts. Let them talk to you about what's troubling them and about their pain. That's entering into a deeper experiential relationship with another person. Well, Jesus does that for us, and he wants us to do it with him. He enters into our suffering. You don't go through what you go through by yourself. God comes along beside you. He get right in there with you. When you hurt, he hurt. When you're crying, he's crying. And sometimes he takes out the invisible napkin and wipes the tears from your eye. When you're lonely and nobody else knows why you're hurting, you can't even tell anybody. 
but the Lord comes along beside you. You know, you feel like you're by yourself. Anybody else ever felt like you were by yourself? You know you can be by yourself. You can be in a crowd, man. The house can be packed, and yet you feel so alone. But the Lord enters in with you. And that's the kind of experience you want with him. You want to enter into the things that he's suffering from. What is he suffering from? When he look at the hurts that people are causing for one another. When he look at the destruction of families. When he look at the craziness in the politics. When he look at the inhumane treatment that people do. God hard hurt. And because his heart hurt, guess what? Our heart should hurt. But if we can walk past people and never be concerned, if we can listen to our sisters and brothers, people that we know, and never be concerned for real about what they're going through, sometimes God will make you be the solution to somebody else's problem. But you won't ever be the solution if you won't enter into the fellowship of the suffering with him like he does with us. But that's a deeper relationship. Are you seeing what the pursuit is? One time I was after this, but now, Paul say, I'm after this. I'm, I'm not only after the, the deeper knowledge of God, not only am I after the experience of God, but I want to enjoy not only the fellowship of his suffering, but I also thirdly want to know his power. Oh, listen, anybody here tonight want to know the power of God? You know, you lived in 23 anemic lives. Stuff would come up and you would almost just melt. You almost just drop out because, you know, you didn't know what to do. But there's never a situation where God's power is not sufficient for you. God's power is always enough. This is the same power that spoke and said, let there be. And stuff started happening. This is the same power that stood on the storm and said, peace be still. This is the same power that stopped the funeral procession and said, get up, little boy. This is the same power that went into a bedroom and said, made a rise. This is the same power that said, show me where you laid him. Move the stone and I'll call him back. This is the same power that took fish and loaves and opened a bakery and a fish market on the side of a mountain. He has the power to do anything but fail. And Paul said, I want to know him like that. I want to know that kind of power in my own life. Listen, if I go into 24, I'm expecting the power of God. I'm expecting some of the, the chains to be broken. I'm expecting some of the things that have held me back to turn me loose. I'm, I'm expecting that some of the circumstances and situations that I've yielded to in time past that I stand up against because I have a newfound power. Do you understand about the power of God? Listen, the power of God, what kind of power is it? Can I really tell you what kind of power it is? It's called resurrection power. And it shows up best in cemeteries. It, 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 what, what it really means in life for you is called comeback power. It's when the world has thrown its best at you. When the world has knocked you down and beat you up. And everybody has walked out on you. God has comeback power. 
He'll touch you and you'll stand up again. He'll wipe the tears from your eye and you'll march again. I listened at my son this morning. He was talking about learning how to march. Listen, when you got the power of Jesus in your life, you'll learn how to march, baby. You'll learn how to walk through storms. You'll learn how to keep your head up when everybody's calling you everything but a child of God. When you got the power of God on the inside, you understand that no weapon formed against you can prosper. And every tongue that rises against you is already defeated in judgment. You understand that this is the heritage of them who love God. You understand that he'll give you the desires of your heart because he put them there. And if he put them there, he knows just exactly what it takes to move you to the place where you can accomplish them. You heard Dr. Walker earlier talking about the opportunity. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. But you're going to need power to get ready. You're going to need power to be able to take advantage of them. You're going to need power to do what God has given you to do. Let me tell you something. 34, 5, 38 years ago, man, we came here to the church, man, and, and we were a small little church. And it's all right, you know, it's where God said start. And, 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 and we had probably less than 100 people. And, and, and we had less than $50,000 a year. But I'm telling you what the power of God would do. God has dropped more than $9 million this year. Man, God, man, you, that's, that's God's stuff. That's God-sized stuff. And guess what? What, I'm, what am I expecting in the new year? I'm expecting even more. Not because of greed, but because of the power. We got to break the bonds of poverty in the community. We got to get people off the streets and get people in houses. We got to help people get to work. We got to feed hungry people. We've got to change lives, not just talking about it. We've got to be able to do it. And that requires the power of God. Yes, that's what you get when you pursue him. When you come to know him, you come to know the power of his resurrection. You come to know the fellowship of his suffering. You come to know him through the knowledge of who he is. But not only that, but number four, you get a chance when you move into the deeper relationship with the Lord. Now, this is, this is Paul's own testimony here that we're sharing with you, but it's also my testimony, and it also should become your testimony that what God is doing, God will bring you through. Amen. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe God will do it? Anybody know he's waiting? Man, the clock is ticking. The year is moving. We're moving on toward what was, past what was, into what God has in mind for us. The fourth pursuit is the fellowship with Jesus. Just to know, man, there's no final statement to be able to say that he walks with me. And he talks with me. Look at that. That's personal. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. The fellowship with God. 
the fellowship with Jesus, man, the daily walk with him. That's what I'm after. That's what I want to pursue in the new year. I want to do what Paul did. I don't want to continue to go down wrong trails and chase rabbit holes. Even though there was nothing wrong with those things, yes, it was. What was wrong with being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, uh, of the tribe of Israel, the stock of Israel? What was wrong with that? When he used those things to substitute for his relationship with the Lord. See, when you allow these otherworldly pursuits to make you think that's what makes you whole, when you allow these other things to say, that gives me clout, that gives me status, that's what satisfies me, then it's wrong. And so Paul is saying, I don't want that. I want the daily fellowship with Jesus. Does anybody here want the daily fellowship with the Lord? Now, we're going to give you an opportunity through what we call the 21 days of prayer. Why 21 days? Because it gives you a chance. Anything that you do for 20 days becomes a habit. And if you spend time with the Lord for 20 days, 21 days, you begin to develop a habit of wanting to commune with him and hear him. And to have him direct you. I don't understand how in the world we would dare want to go into a brand new year with all of the challenges, with all of the pitfalls, with all of the mountains, with all of the valleys, with all of the traps, with all of the tricks, with all of the games that are out there to be played and we not have Jesus as our guide. I, I just don't understand. I told you earlier, I've been to too many foreign countries where I had no idea where I was. But guess what? When I got off the plane, there was a guy. There was somebody there who knew the language. There was somebody there who knew the streets. There was somebody there who knew where to go and where not to go. That's what I'm saying we ought to be pursuing in the new year. We ought to be pursuing him because he knows. I heard it earlier. He knows the end from the beginning. He already know what 24 has. He know what January, what December 31st, 2024 look like before even we get to January 1, 2024. And so I want the fellowship with Jesus. I want him to be my guide. I want him to lead me and guide me and direct me. I want him to show me, hey, don't go over there. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't go down there. And I want him to say, yeah, go on down there. And knowing that if he said go down there, I can go on down there blindly. He might not tell me everything that's going to happen. But I know that if he tells me that's the direction, that's where I need to go. Are you following that? And then Paul says, lastly, he says, when you pursue Christ, when that's who you're really after, when you really want to know him, not only will you gain the experience, the knowledge of who he is and the experience with him and the power with him and the fellowship with him, but in the future, you'll gain the glory. You'll gain the glory. What's, what, what's the glory? You're not going to live on earth always. You're, you're not. And, and we see it every day. We see it in massive numbers. 
And, and, and it's, there was a time when only older people died. But that's not the truth anymore. Younger people die every day. And, and, they're, they're, and some of them die by surprise. And, and none of us know when or where. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not propagating that you ought to look for it. Because that's God's business. I don't even want to know. There are some things I don't, I don't want God to tell me. You know, because if God told me, and I laugh all the time about this, that if he told me that you were going to die by a red truck, well, every time I see a red truck, boy, I'll be going the other direction. Oh, no, can't go down that street. Oh, no, no, let me go this other way. No, so that, that's his business. I don't have to worry about that. What I'm concerned more is that whenever that end does come, that I know that I will be future glorified that I have a home with him, that my business is fixed, that the relationship with him on earth has been satisfying, and wherever he chooses to do, and whenever that time comes, I'm good with it. You understand that? And that's what you got to have. You, you got to have that confident assurance. You can't, be, you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid every time you go to the doctor. I know he, he tells us ugly things. Doctors can be frightening sometimes. Some of them don't have any bedside manners. Some of them just tell you just real rough. Hey, uh, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> and I told him, told one guy one time, you ain't either. You keep talking like that. <laughs> you know, but it, it's real. It's real. But when you, when, when you know that you know. When you know your life is in his hand, when you're confident that everything in that regard is already fixed. See, let me tell you what, it's like insurance. You don't get insurance the day after you've had an accident. You get insurance before there's a problem. And you don't even worry about it. You're not looking for the accident. But if it occurs... You don't get bent out of shape because you know you're already covered. Is there anybody here tonight that know that you're covered? That you know that your future is secure? That's, that, that's what you get. That's, that's what you get when you pursue Christ. You're not going to get that kind of assurance pursuing other kinds of things. How, how, how many know that the, the way this world is going and the signs of the times that we're already seeing, that the world can't continue to last like this. The, the, the weather, we don't know what it is. You, 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 global warming is, is changing the face of the whole continent. The whole world is being changed right before our very eyes. The hearts of fathers are turning against their sons. And the hearts of daughters are turning against their mothers. Wars and rumors of wars are everywhere. Every day there's a new threat of war that's happening somewhere in the world. When we look at these things, when we think about these things, if you're Concerned with what the word of God say, 
you got to know that they all point to one thing, that Jesus is coming soon. And, and that's why you got to be ready. That's why you got to be fixed. I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm not trying to give you no guilt trip. I'm not trying to put any pressure on you. I'm just telling you the facts. And when you got it right, when you know that you got it right, then you live with confidence. I don't go to the door necessarily with my automatic in my hand. Who that? See, I remember when I was in college, there was a boy who lived on the dorm who sold drugs. And he sold them out of his dorm room. But he had a big old gun. And anytime anybody knocked on his door, he'd go to the door like this. Who that? Why you think he acted like that? Because he was afraid. He was afraid that somebody was going to come in and take away his drugs. And because he didn't have any confidence, he always went to the door like that. You don't have to live like that. If God can't protect you, let me tell you something, you can't be protected. Everybody that have guns, and I know this is a popular subject for many young people, everybody got them now. But just because you got one, doesn't mean you'll be the last one standing. The scripture teach he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Live with confidence. Live with joy in your heart. Live with truth flowing from your life. Live with confidence every day. Live with power. Live with assurance. Live with the understanding that my relationship with Jesus is what prepares me for everything that could ever happen. Jesus Christ is the way. How many know he's the way? He declared it one day. I'm closing. He was getting ready to go home, back to heaven. And he said to his disciples, he said, I'm going somewhere now. And where I'm going, you can't come right now. He said, but I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you could be also. And he said, in my father's house, with many mansions. And he said, if it wasn't the truth, I wouldn't have even told you about it. And, and, and Thomas said, Lord, Lord, where you going and how, how are we going to know the way? Jesus said, listen, man, you ain't going to need no GPS. You ain't going to need no... No, no drone. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So I want to make sure as we close this year that you have your relationship, that you are now willing to pursue Jesus as the person, as the most important issue in your life. Jesus Christ, he is the way. We're going to sing now. And as we sing, we're going to give you the invitation, give you an opportunity, wherever you may be, whoever you are, however long you may have been living in the way that you are. I want you to know, this is your moment. Doors of the church are open. Anytime during this song, give your heart to God. Give what your hand to one of these. 
and let's begin a relationship. Let's know. You got to know what you must do, what you're really after, who you're really after. Privilege. Knowing him.
still not too late. Still not too late. This is your moment. The clock is ticking. Open up my heart. My heart. before the Lord's return is moving as imminently as the end of this year is coming. Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church, It Becomes the Church for the Unchurch. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, 
so you want to be married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.